the garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Morning and welcome to Mid-South Gardening. Glad to be here with you this weekend. I'm Veda with Palladio. And I'm Jim Crowder, the short, fat third of this uh, nonsense on Saturday morning. We appreciate you being with us. Thank you. And um, Ken is out this Saturday, so... Taking a day off. Yep. uh, Rough Christmas, huh? Yep. Recovering (laughs) from Christmas. Oh, those heavy Christmas trees. Remember when we could just pick them up and sling them over our shoulder and walk them up the hill? (laughs) I I wish I had a dollar for every truckload I've unloaded. Oh, yeah. You know, through the years. So uh, uh, that's why Kenneth has to rest. L- yep. Luckily, we didn't have to unload Christmas uh-huh. trees. And, you know, and, and pulling them through the, that machine that puts the mesh on them. I didn't ever get to do that. Oh, yeah, we did that. In fact, any new kid got put through there also. <laughs> <laughs> I like that idea. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite part was, of course, getting the chainsaw and cutting the uh, cut on the fresh Christmas tree. Yep. Mm-hmm. But anyway, they're probably thinking Christmas. Don't even say the word Christmas right now. I know. Well, you know, it's um, and a lot of people were saying this too when they were coming to get house plants. But after you take all the decoration and everything down, your house looks lonely. Yeah, kind of the energy's gone. Ours is coming down this weekend. We just last weekend we just you know. Yeah, just enjoyed just, it one more that's weekend. Right. right. So, uh, and and usually Carol gets you know kind of a little depressed over taking all mm-hmm. the pretties down, but this year um, she seems to be ready for some reason. Oh, bizarre! Uh, you know, hmm. but it takes a long yeah. time. You know, we have a gazillion ornaments. <laughs> Each one has to be hand wrapped and packed. Yeah. Oh uh, no, that is a long time. I we just... do have a few less this year because of uh, our our new puppy dog, yeah. the wire mariner, has eaten several. So mm. <laughs> <laughs> they they eat ornaments it too. Tears up everything, you know. Oh, Good man. dog. I mean, just obedient and wonderful dog. But it's uh, about seven months old and it's still mm-hmm. a puppy. And anything yeah. that has fluff inside of it gets torn up and spread across the house. Oh, that's so cute. I think it's not my dog. It's so yeah. cute. <laughs> it's cute when it's not your dog, right? right? <laughs> exactly. Well, I think um, I don't do a lot of house plants, but. I really think I need to add a bigger one, kind of to compensate for the Christmas tree being gone. Yeah. (laughs) Put it over in that corner. And then you put it outside in the spring and the summer. And the next winter, I want to put it in the same place, but the Christmas tree goes there. Yes. So then you got to find a place to shove it in the corner. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's why I have a garage, two-car garage that no cars are in. Oh, right. (laughs) (laughs) It's all plants. (laughs) Oh, that would be a good way to um, build houses is um, big green rooms uh, on them. Greenhouses, I think, should be a a mandatory attachment to a house. Right, right, exactly. It's good. It's good health. (laughs) It's something to do. Mm. It makes you get up and and water your plants and prune them. And speaking of plants, you're a fiber optic plant. Oh, my little (laughs) sense. Sensevaria. Yeah, I did not have a clue they could do that. Oh, they, they you know, they all bloom. Most of them are mm-hmm. rather insignificant, you know, yeah. little thin stems with tiny flowers. Right. But this one has a, a really nice flower stalk. Did you on know it, it was going to do that? Didn't. That kind no, of bloom and no, all? No, I've had this one six, eight months or so. Got wow. it back in the spring of last year. Uh, and uh, I up potted it when I brought it into mm-hmm. the house. It's been outside on a plant rack. Uh, and, and then just all of a sudden it decided to throw a flower, and it's uh, really, really attractive. 
Yeah, Sansevieria, the mother-in-law's tongue. Yes. But there's so many more varieties and colors. There are. You know, in fact, when I was visiting your store, I snatched mm-hmm. a big three-gallon variegated one that uh, it's called Yellowstone. Yeah. That's just magnificent. Gosh, yeah. it's pretty. I just can't believe it. And. Uh, the snake plants low light and almost no water. Yeah, but they'll take full sun, you know. I can remember mm-hmm. in Hawaii where they were growing in the ditches for yeah. miles and miles out full sun, you know. And I thought, gosh, if I could pot those up in three-gallon plants, I mm-hmm. could make a fortune. You sure could. <laughs> well, you know, they don't like a lot of water, and they sure don't like to sit in water. And But they're growing in the ditches in right. Hawaii because I guess it well, the rains water, yeah, so good. The soil is, you know, pumice, f- you know, from volc- volcanoes, yeah. so it drains quickly. Um, but it, it was just like, you know, Johnson grass. You know, it's just <laughs> all over the place. Wow, that's insane. Because I saw them, the first time I, I saw them, they were planted in a landscape. Where was this? Well, I think it was in Florida. And they were using it as a base plant for a house. And it looked so good. Mm-hmm. And I thought, there's so many things. And every, every, every region you go to, there's plants that you had no clue they would do that. Right. You know, yeah. Southern California was the first time that I saw jade plants like hedges. I've never seen that. Yeah, I mean, you know, and when they were in bloom, they were mm-hmm. spectacular. But, oh, you know, just word. just sheer, just like, you know, we would grow a, mm-hmm. a, a, a Japanese holly. That's crazy. Know? And then, like in Florida, there's the variegated Chevalera. Yes. That mm-hmm. we use as a house plant, but they grow it as hedges out there as well. Mm-hmm. And it's getting full sun. So I had some in the building that they were just not liking it they'd came from florida and they weren't acclimating well so i put them outside and said let me give them some sun and see what happens and just like within a week they started filling out and Mm -hmm. and really loving it so it shows that plants definitely grow slower and differently inside Mm -hmm. uh, than outside but and you know there's actually a shufflera that's hardy here what is it? A Chevalera, Chevalera? Yeah, it is. A, it's a true <laughs> Chevalera. Yeah, it's. In fact, I saw it listed. I believe it plant delights. You know, yeah. I'm tempted to try it, but interesting. Uh, yeah, it, it, if it gets as big as I suspect it will, I really don't have a place for it. Oh. You know, but that's that's always a secondary worry for me. <laughs> Where? How big? And yeah, can it'll you go there it? now. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like they'll people come in and the house plants are in a five gallon bucket. And they ask, how tall would this get? <laughs> and I'm like, well, in its natural environment, it gets uh, 12 feet tall, 15 mm-hmm. feet wide or, or whatever. And their eyes just get so big and go, well, then that's not going to fit in my house. I know. We used to you know, sell, particularly at Christmas time, a lot of little Norfolk Island pines, mm-hmm. hang the little red balls yeah. on them, you know, and they made nice little cute tabletop Christmas mm-hmm. trees. And that was always a question. People would go, well, how tall do they get? Well, in the wild, about 200 feet, you know? (laughs) (laughs) They're like redwoods. (laughs) Yeah, and they're so cool looking. They do really well inside, though. Yeah. Uh Amazingly, they do. And and a lot of people do use those for little Christmas trees. Mm -hmm. Um, And other, there's just so many new varieties of houseplants out there. They, They really have, like you've noticed, in the last 
five to ten years just really kind of exploded Mm -hmm. in different varieties people doing more research and and doing more hybridizing of them yeah uh and there's so many that we can't even get on the market now. Oh, I know. Yeah, and I guess they're pass-along yeah. plants. Everybody's or, wanting this uh, variegated philodendron. Yes, you know, exactly what's in my mind. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you find them online, and they're 175 yeah. bucks a piece for a four-inch pot. Right. <laughs> I, I met somebody that, what did she order online? Oh, I think it was actually a philodendron, the pink one, the mm-hmm. pink and yeah. the white one. Uh-huh. And she paid $75 for it, and I asked or please come by with it, you know, or take some pictures. Let me know. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, they're little starts. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And little starts scare me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't, but I just don't seem to take care of them to get them started completely. Yeah. I think I lose the interest. Well, and that's the problem with a small plant like that. All you have to do is ignore it a day or two and it suffers tremendously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it does. Long time to recover. Oh, well. Well, stay with us this morning. We're going to talk about um, this cold weather, what it's doing to your plants, Mm -hmm. being cold and hot and cold and hot and cold and hot. Not to mention us. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, and anything else you want to talk about, please give us a call here, 901-260-5926. Good morning. Welcome to Mid-South Gardening. So we were talking about houseplants and I uh, found a funny meme or whatever we call them now, a gif. And it was common symptoms of finding a yellow leaf on your houseplant. Common symptoms. I swear I didn't overwater it. You're a murderer. Green thumb. I don't think so. Intense guilt and lack of will to carry on. <laughs> Just from finding a yellow leaf. Yes. Yeah. Uh, deletes all plant-related posts. Feeling dizzy like you're going to pass out. <laughs> I hear people like that. They come running in with a yellow leaf on their plant. Yeah. Going through all that. It's like, it's okay. Just well, and, you know, it's just a perception thing, you know. you we get a lot of questions on there where people will pick up, oh, a, you know, I got a yellow leaf on here. Is What am I doing wrong? When, mm-hmm. you know, usually nothing. Yeah. You know, plants okay. lose leaves, you know, for a number of reasons. If if you haven't done anything to it, like move it or anything like that, then it's just a natural process. Uh, as, as it's growing, those older leaves become less efficient at producing food. And based on how much light you've got, they'll shed some of it, you know. Um, If you look at our conifers, they'll hold their needles for two, three, four, five years, depending on the variety. Uh, But then they eventually fall off. So, you know, it's not anything to panic. You mean they, like, fall off, but new ones are coming on. That's right. New ones are constantly coming on. But, you know, if if it's one of the, the... junipers some of those hold them you know four or five years Mm -hmm. that when you get those new growth you get browning up on the inside and that's always a panic right it is right it's like with yellow azaleas in the in the fall that people just you know panic because Mm -hmm. it's something that they hadn't noticed before yeah because they do that all they do it all the time yeah yeah someone will bring a leaf in and it'll have some issues on it and it's almost like 
you're interrogating. I'm interrogating, trying yeah, to find absolutely. out. Did, was right. it this? Did you do that? Did you overwater? Did you just transplant it? Did you change the light? And then um, I go, well, what does the whole plant look like? Oh, it just has this one leaf. Mm-hmm. I thought, why didn't I ask that in the first place? <laughs> so uh, don't panic if you see little things on your plants, because if they're really suffering, um, you'll look. Learn. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> you'll know. Yeah, you will definitely know. But, um, yeah, so uh, if you have those houseplant symptoms, it's okay because everybody has a yellow leaf every now and then. (laughs) But, anyway, so much for houseplants, except for um, that ficus, the fiddle leaf fig. Uh Still, that one, you know, is a really hard one to grow, but not really. All I did was just put it in front of the window and let it get dry (laughs) and then water it again. Yeah, it's, I found them fairly easy to grow. It's been difficult to get them to hold all their leaves because the Mm -hmm. lower the light you put it in, um, the fewer leaves it's going to hang on to. It's going to drop mm-hmm. the lower leaves. You know, if yeah. it's in bright, full sun, it'll hold those leaves mm-hmm. for a long, long time. Yeah, and uh, grow lights do work. Yes, we have help. one. We have a number of spots where some of the grow lights are hanging lower, like in some cool-looking antique lampshades that we have. I mean, just put a grow light in it. And so when... We make sure the ones that like the light are under those grow lights. But you can see one that's just kind of been sitting there over the in the corner and move it to the grow light, and it starts instantly putting on new growth mm-hmm. because it just needed the extra light. And grow lights are fantastic to yeah, and, add. You know, and even regular lights will help. True, true. Um, <laughs> when Carol and I got married, we had on each side of us a Costa Rican bamboo palm that was we were standing between when we got married, and uh, they went home with us. And we had we had a this uh, house that uh, had a, a southern facing window, uh, dining room window, but. If you put the plants in the window, then you can't see out the window. Right. Yeah, so you move true. them to the side. Well, then, you know, and there were trees in the back. So they weren't getting bright light. Mm-hmm. So to keep them pretty, I put house plant, um, just floodlight light bulbs yeah. on the ground underneath them and turn them on at night and let them shine up through it. Right. Turn them off in the daytime, move them out of the way. So, they, you know, the dogs didn't trip on them <laughs> and that sort of thing. So anyway, but just that extra light helped keep them full and thick for a number of years. Yeah. So. I know when you were just talking about that made me think, oh, my goodness, you could do a landscape with houseplants in your house. Because I was thinking, okay, well, if you don't want plants in front of your window, you could plant some low ones Mm -hmm. (laughs) in your inside. And then you can put some tall ones on around the windows like, oh, you can just landscape in your house. Mm -hmm. I mean, why not? Uh, For years and years and years, we've had a baker's rack in front of our um kitchen window and that's all you saw because it blocked the entire window you know and had a hoya in it that had grown like 35 feet winding around the the window shades and everything um and then you know we decided let's just not have any house plants in the house you know Mm -hmm. during the season so we moved it out and it was so neat to be able to see outside you know there's really plants out there look isn't that cool oh man i know it's just like a lot of people don't even care to look. Well, there's some places that you want house plants in front of your window yeah. mm-hmm. because you don't want to be looking out at them. But, um, you know, in reality, plants are actually farming us. 
Yeah, you know, well, I guess that's true. Yeah, it gives us oxygen daily until we eventually decompose so they can consume us. Right. (laughs) Think about it. You know, they'll do just fine without us. We don't do well without them. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) exactly. So if you're stuck inside, then you should definitely grab some houseplants. And the Hoya are great. I'm going to get a lot of different varieties in i'm hoping i got an assortment because you, i don't want to get 30 of one variety i want one of the if you get a good hindu rope i want one of I'm those getting them good good okay. i haven't been able to find the curly one the one that i've got that just grows rampant mm-hmm. is, is just the the big leaf tricolor you know and, and it's Ooh. and it's pretty and it blooms its little head off mm-hmm. um but I, I love that curly leaf of the hindu yeah. rope it's just so cool well when you look at it i'm I just don't see how it blooms. <laughs> no Hoya. I don't I know that I've ever had a Hindu rope bloom. Oh, that probably doesn't, actually. I, I don't know. That's a good uh, question. Yeah. Now, oh. Well, it probably does. I mean, yeah. you know, we we hear that a lot, you know. Oh, I didn't know that plant bloomed. Well, you know, if it's not a fungus or a grass, which those mm-hmm. a spike, um, all plants have yeah. to bloom to reproduce unless they have somehow become sterile Mm -hmm. Um, and and that doesn't happen very much but through hybridization sometimes we have plants that won't reproduce and we take cuttings and propagate from those but everything has to reproduce somehow and though you may not give it the conditions right for it to bloom it probably does you just you know or you don't even notice it. It's so minuscule. So that's right. So insignificant that, and I've had some uh, mother-in-law's tongues like that. That mm-hmm. the little the flower stalk was you know six or eight inches tall, very thin. Uh, you know, yeah. and you could easily miss it when it was in bloom. Well, aloe vera blooms even. Oh yeah, and it's a pretty bloom. Mm-hmm. I didn't even. I never. I never really thought about the bloom on so many house plants or foliage plants. And after I started discovering how pretty it was when it bloomed, mm-hmm. and and the thing is, is like like yours that bloomed, it just must love where it's sitting. Apparently so. Yeah. You know, and things that will surprise you, like um, the dracaenas, the corn plants, mm-hmm. they have such an extremely fragrant bloom, you know, and you can quite easily miss them among the foliage. But you'll be sitting there and go... What does that smell, you know? And it yeah. just, it's its just delightful. Wow. I was cleaning and everything in the garden center, and I kept smelling this fantastic, sweet fragrance. And I'm sniffing houseplants and trying to find them, and I'm looking, I look like a dog trying to. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was the camellia I brought inside to protect the blooms. Oh, wow. I could smell. You could smell it. Yes, and now I don't remember which one it was. It was the pink one. It was the pink camellia. The you pink know which camellia. one that is? That's no. like when somebody comes in and goes, I have a problem on my plant. And I'm like, what kind? Well, it's green. Uh-huh. And I'm <laughs> so it's a pink one. Yeah. <laughs> now i got to figure it out. But I guess you would probably smell it outside. But since it was in a smaller room and it was all night, uh, two nights, and I guess the, the smell just soaked up in the plants or in the room, but it was so wonderful. Did you see the uh, Camellia poster that has the solid white foliage on it? No, I missed that one. Yeah, it's... Foliage, uh, the leaves. The leaves are 
pure white. It's a sport off of uh, this camellia, mm-hmm. uh, and that's, that's the reason I bought bought it. My son spotted it at the nursery, and he kind of set it aside. Mm-hmm. He said, "Dad's gonna love this." Yeah. So yeah, it's it's got a beautiful pink bloom on it, and right now, you know, like you, yeah, I can't think of the name of it, uh, but it's got a, a six inch or a taller uh, sport on it where the foliage is absolutely pure white. That so is crazy. We're gonna we're gonna wait and see if it actually has enough chlorophyll in it that um, uh, it will support itself. If mm-hmm. not, then I'll do some grafting with it and 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 see. But it's uh, it's just stunning. Yeah, I got a picture of it on our Facebook group. So if you'll you know uh, do a little search under Camellia in my name, you'll find it. That's what I'm gonna look for now. Something you said. Uh, Something about the chlorophyll and well, yeah, even even sometimes you get foliage that's white, but it has some chlorophyll in it. It's just you can't see it. Mm-hmm. If there's no chlorophyll in it, it it won't live. I mean, on yeah. its own. You know, I've had wisteria sport solid white foliage and try mm-hmm. to propagate them, and it never works. Uh, but uh, that's I'm still I just can't even yeah, hardly I've got speak a, a uh, white camellia. I I, I've got a uh, Meyer fern, the ponytail. Mm-hmm. Uh, or foxtail fern that sports white Uh, and sometimes Uh it'll be pure white sometimes it'll be white interspersed with it so when you're looking it just looks like a pale color so yeah um, i have seen that and i never really thought much about it i I just thought some anomaly and i I love the weird stuff like that yeah and that's what i look for you know i'll walk through a house full of hostas and a nursery and just you know and one will stand out mm-hmm. as different. So, you know, take that one home, see what it does. It is hard. So. Yeah, if you see one standing out like that, definitely grab it. Because yeah. there's so many varieties, and some of them look almost exactly the same to me, unless I'm a connoisseur of hostas. Mm-hmm. But just in general, if I want a yellow one, of course, there's the heights, too. I never yeah. could imagine the All heights. All right. We're going to take a break. We'll be back here in just a few minutes. Stay with us. You're listening to KWAM Mid-South Gardening. What's a call? And 901-260-5926. We'll answer your garden questions this morning. Oh, is it me now? <laughs> yeah, it's your turn. <laughs> um, oh, one of the other things I'd wanted to add to the houseplant category are the moisture meters. They help a lot, um, especially if you're inexperienced with watering, uh, because... Even me, I feel like I'm looking at them and I feel like the soil is so dry. But then when I put the moisture meter in, it's like, eh, it's not so dry. It's like in between, um, close to dry. But I would have thought that it was bone dry, <laughs> but it's not. So, And then, like, since we have so many plants and, and, new, and people learning to water, that's another good reason to use a moisture meter. Yeah, but, you know... You want to also know a little bit about your plant. True, you know, it's yeah. going to tell you how, whether or not the soil's dry, but it doesn't tell you whether or not the plant wants it that way. Yeah, yeah. So, there's that. Know, the ones that we have, there's a 
pamphlet that comes with it, but it just tells the most common houseplants. So it's still good to, like you said, I mean, that's such a good point. If um, you're looking at it and you put the probe in there and it's between wet and dry, and you're thinking, oh, I'm all good. Mm -hmm. But then the plant wanted it to stay moist, so you're more on the dry side. Or like the chef, not the chefaleras, the snake plants, the Z plants. Mm -hmm. They want Even outdoor plants, there's a world of difference. Because, you know, if I say dogwood, most people think, ooh, you know, wants to be dry, don't Mm -hmm. get too much water on it. But what if I'm talking about a red twig dogwood? Right. Or a yellow twig dogwood? And those. They'll grow almost standing in water. You know, that's what they like. That is crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Because so that would be saying if I'm picking out a uh, Monstera, a philodendron, different varieties need possibly different waterings. Right. Which you wouldn't think. And, you know, the faster they grow, typically the more water they're going to need. So, you know, but there's some things, you you know, if, if you're picking out houseplants, particularly for low, low light, remember that the larger the leaf, the more, the lower the light it's likely to um, like and survive in. You know, most of the large leaf plants have evolved in the canopy of jungles, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. and have heavily forested areas. So they have a very large leaf for light absorption. Um so the you know those are plants that typically are the easiest to grow. Mm-hmm. So. And then also, if you want them now, they can go on the dry, dry side. But sometimes or not, but a lot of times people aren't watering them quite enough to make That's them right. grow inside. Water, watering them thoroughly too, yeah. getting the whole root ball. Mm-hmm. moist when you water that's that's real critical it is uh and but yeah it's uh, gardening is not just you know sticking your finger in the soil it's knowing a little bit about your plants you know yeah. do a little research a li- on just them. a little bit yeah it doesn't <laughs> take much so uh, yeah so that is one of the things is uh water more to increase the growth but you wouldn't really want to water extra during this time of year yeah, because everything's just kind of dormant. They're typically not moving as much water right now, uh, particularly the cooler you keep your house. Yeah. Um, that is one thing. We're not um, above 71 during the day and we, um, in the building, and we might go to 68 just to keep oh, on. Oh, that's toasty. Yeah, that's because they can. They like between fifty and seventy. I think is kind of that's toasty. That's not toasty. (laughs) That's cold. But um, so anyway, house plants can make you happy, and they can clarify the air, Jim. Yeah, (laughs) you know I just had to say that, (laughs) just so you can say right. You know, it's just uh, just makes you feel good. That's That's what it is. Yeah, we don't have to overanalyze everything. So um, then the next thing, because house plants are are great for winter uh, habits or habits. Yeah, (laughs) help your addiction habit of plants. (laughs) That's right. So uh, they're great for inside, and then. Ah, the next thing are the seeds. Yeah, Uh you know, I've been getting seed catalogs, you know, by the dozens coming Mm -hmm. in, you know. And and I always like to look at them, you know. A couple of things to remember, though, if if you're thinking about growing things from seed, okay, how many of those plants do you really need? 
Okay. <laughs> um, oh, do I have to pick? Yeah, you know, <laughs> you you do you want to grow, you know, fifty of the same tomato plant? No. You know? So sometimes <laughs> it's it's you really you're better off to spend a dollar and a half for a couple of plants mm-hmm. in the spring than you are for spending, you know, three dollars for fifty plants if you're not going to need fifty plants. Right. Well, I figure on seeds, five will live out of 50, the yeah. way I do <laughs> seeds. Man. But, but you have, you know, you have other costs with your seed, you know, mm-hmm. your your flats, your inserts, your soil, uh, the time. Um, it's fun mm-hmm. to do, you know. It is, um, yeah. But, you know, if you're doing tomatoes and things like that, you're going to have to add about six weeks to what it says on the package, you know. Mm-hmm. When, when it talks about you know, being um, 58 days or so to production, you're looking at the time after it goes in the ground from plants. So you, you got to add normally about six weeks on tomatoes and peppers to get them to the point where they're ready to go in the ground. So Yeah, six to eight weeks. Ooh, that's a long time inside to keep, keep uh, up right, with them. To keep them up and ke- keeping them healthy. It is. It's fun to do, you know. Well, trying to order the seeds to keep an inventory or to have to sell it's making me crazy because there's so many now there's colors of broccoli yeah you know (laughs) and so i'm thinking oh that color is really cool do i get the common broccoli do i get the heirloom broccoli do i get the plain broccoli um so my mind's just spinning trying to figure out what to order yeah and and that's where I had a long time, had a hard time long, uh, trying to order things that would sell versus order things that I thought were cool. <laughs> yeah, that's so <laughs> you true. Know, you can only allow yourself, you know, in, in the nursery industry, about 10% of unsure Mm-hmm. stuff you know yeah really cool things that you think will sell but you right. don't really know and there they are <laughs> i'm enjoying them while they're there right. but the no other 90 percent of the things you know are going to sell <laughs> yeah yeah exactly that's like going to the grocery store now and of course nothing every the shelves are almost empty yeah. but you can tell what's popular and what's not that's right and i'm thinking if i was a buyer I would down here check out and never order that again and order double of this. It's so easy yeah. to figure out. But in the garden center, we have plants. We've got them landscaped here. We have them display here. You've got them over here, over there. I can't keep up with it like you can in the grocery store. No. Can you tell we love this business? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's so many avenues, so many avenues. To, to take. I mean, if you don't like houseplants, there's so many more to go. Mm-hmm. So many. And uh, now there's, I was reading that in California, they have a program if you, uh, they're paying you to reduce your turf. Yeah. Because right. it's better than losing, being out of water, you know. So, so they're paying maybe $2 a square foot, which you know, I guess would offset some of your landscaping costs. Not many. I, it's got to it be more it, than two dollars a square it, foot. It's, well, it's you know, I'm surprised they're not forcing you to do it. Well, that's a good uh, point. You know, lack of water uh, plus the fire hazard uh, yeah. of dry grass. So you know, it's. Uh, Another reason not to live in California. Oh, I know. Yeah. Except for how cool the flowers are, but they're not going to be there if there's That's no right. water. I know. We have yeah. a, we have that same problem, you know, wherever we are. Uh, we always want something that doesn't grow here. 
Yeah. You go to really South Florida and they they really would like to grow roses, but because they get no dormancy there, Mm -hmm. they have trouble growing roses. You know, and up here, we just love to have a philodendron just climb our trees, you know. Uh, so it's just you know the grass is always greener or the plants are always cooler on the other side of the fence yeah man that's a hard one to give up the roses yeah and the daffodils yeah maybe a few here and there but one of my sisters uh when she first moved to florida her thing was i just miss the daffodils (laughs) i was thinking of all the things to miss yeah you miss the daffodils and I will say this, for, uh, we were talking briefly there about roses uh, coming up towards the end of this week. I'll post, I'm going to post a how-to video on proper pruning of roses. Uh, we'll start with wind pruning and then we'll go ahead and do one the way that it would, you would do it in late February or so. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be, I don't have any regular roses, I have miniatures, uh, but the theory is the same and I think you'll be able to see it better even with a mi- miniature of what we're going to do. So that should, I should post that Wednesday or Thursday on the website. And also coming up uh, towards uh, in another week or so, uh, we're going to start uh, Vegetable Gardening 101, where we're going to cover, we're going to start with soil and talk about it, elevated beds. Uh, we're not going to talk about things like lasagna gardening. If it's not natural, we ain't talking about it. Okay. <laughs> I ain't putting cardboard or newspaper down in but my box. But that's pl- natural. N- there's nothing natural about a cardboard box <laughs> being underneath my, my Oh, underneath your plants. Yeah. I've so. had good results with doing that. You didn't you say know. you couldn't have good results. I just said, you right. know, I'm not, we're not going to cover that. You're there not there, cover there that. are bazillion articles that you can read about mm-hmm. how to do lasagna gardening and that sort of thing. Well, I was, you know, skepti- skeptical, skeptical on that. And so we got to experiment in somebody's yard with it. And it worked really well, and I was still skeptical on it <laughs> as the as the year went on, and it worked. But then there's also about um, I had read this, and I it's not called lasagna gardening, but it's where people are actually a place where you would put your brush yes. when you were cleaning, uh-huh. and you would just keep piling up, piling up, and it would compost down, and you would add brush, and then it becomes this mound. And then you add soil to it and plant on it. And I'm thinking, why would you do that? I guess you couldn't be in a, if you weren't in an area where you could burn your brush. Yeah, there's lots of things you can do like that that are cool. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's not something I want to look at in Mm -hmm. my yard. Right. You know? Yeah. I'm having trouble just where to locate a compost bin because I I really don't want to look at it. Yeah. All right. Well, Our producer in there to... is cracking the whip. So. And we'll answer your gardening <laughs> questions after the break. So yeah. give us a call, 260-5926. Good morning. Welcome back to Big South Gardening. Ooh. Interesting choice. If you're not awake now, that <laughs> should do it for you. <laughs> that should do it. Well, we were talking about vegetable garden and seeds and, and types of planting. Okay. Are you talking about the hay bale gardening? Well, you know, yeah, it, yes, yeah. sort of. Hay bale, lasagna gardening, things that are 
uh, not what we would traditionally think of mm-hmm. gardening, you know, digging in your soil yeah. uh, or elevated beds, which are, you know, I don't consider those unusual because right. they're practical for, you know, particularly for somebody like me that has trouble bending over. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you and that works well. 12, 15 inches closer to well, you. Well, the, the whole, uh, one of the, the big selling points on it, trying to get people to do it, was if you have trouble gardening, then you can do it in the hay bale because it's sitting up a little higher you don't have to do soil prep you just pull some of the hay back put dirt in it and plant because it's just going to save all kinds of time and energy but my whole thing is you have to clean it up yeah you know and i just not, don't like the way hay bales look you yeah. know you can use them somebody suggested using them to for an elevated bed just use that as the perimeter because the cost yeah. of lumber has gone through the roof oh that's you know? true um you can use cinder blocks that's to me that's the wiser choice mm-hmm. they're cheap you know you yeah. can move it right if you want to true. each year um you can turn it up and fill the holes with dirt and yep. plant herbs in it so, actually and the to cinder me those blocks. are a much better choice uh but anything that's um Anyway, I want my garden to be attractive. That's that's, that's, that's the yeah. key thing. Whether right. it's vegetables, whether it's flowers, mm-hmm. I want to enjoy going out there. And to me, the appearance of it is part of the um, uh, the, the pleasure that I yeah. get. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The clean, the organized. And, you know, hay bale gardening and all, even though it doesn't look so good, if you've got like a lot of area that you're gardening in, you know, it's and put it in one section, it's not going to look so bad. So there's so many ways to garden or so many types of soil prep, you know, the the traditional long rows in your 10 by 12 plot is to me is that's how you garden and then when we started doing the uh boxing the box gardens i was thinking that's just not real gardening because i i mean real gardening to me was the rows and rows of uh, corn and right. peas and mm-hmm. okra but now i'm really liking the the box gardening it's easier it really is and you don't have to do all the tilling but yeah, elevated beds, particularly in our clay soil, um, are an advantage for you. Um, yeah. However, if you know, farmers have done very well just growing in soil and just by loosening it mm-hmm. each year. But now they're only growing certain. They're growing certain yeah. things. They're alternating crops. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and the soil web, as we talk about, is okay for them. I mean, it's it's doing what it needs to do. Um. Whereas, you know, in a home garden, we're growing a wider variety of plants in a smaller area. Uh, and it's a little more difficult to get the right conditions for every single mm-hmm. plant. Uh, yeah, that's true. You know, that's why we try to group them. And I'm not a good grouper. But, <laughs> or is that a fish? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not a good fish either. So, uh, yeah, I don't. I haven't gotten that detailed yet. Yeah. yeah. The issue is, you know, particularly things like um, the melons, you know, mm-hmm. they like water, you yeah. know, they do really well in our clay soil usually. 
Uh, but if they're getting enough water and your tomatoes are planted next to them, they'll typically suffer, mm-hmm. yeah. um, particularly with calcium deficiencies. Like we talk about blossom end rot, mm-hmm. and it's just simply because the soil's staying too wet. Uh, well, also, when you're preparing your box gardens, I wouldn't actually do the entire entire filler as uh, compost. N- yeah. I would get like a uh, mixture of topsoil because you still need something to hold those nutrients in the that's water. Right. In and that's right. That's going to we're going to spend a good bit of time talking about getting the soil right. Mm-hmm. OK. And uh, so that's that's going to be an important part of getting your vegetable garden started is making sure that you have the right stuff inside the box or the right stuff to add to your soil. Yeah, because that's important, too, for sure. And um, wait, where are you talking about this? We're going to start start a little uh, education program called Vegetable Gardening 101, and it's just... Mm -hmm. uh, Where is it going to be? It's going to be on our Facebook group. Okay, that's what I was thinking you said, but so that's going to be some fun uh, See, things to like following. Most women, they don't listen to me. It was just one of those moments <laughs> that all of a sudden I just stare. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. It's because my coffee doesn't have enough sugar, so I'm not drinking it. Sugar, that's not healthy, but it's good for plants, that's right. but not a lot. Well, I mean, it's not good to eat a lot of sugar for humans either but yeah sugar is important because you need it's sugars. the energy yeah yeah, yeah you absolutely and do i need tell sugars. myself with every cookie i eat right that's that's exact maybe that's the theory behind the snickers bar yeah <laughs> but um yeah so you do have the sugars and all of that that your plants need to survive and so many other other little things that's why people actually add molasses and Things like that to their soil right. or in a liquid form. They're just not like taking the jar of molasses because I would rather have that on my toast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not out in the garden. And, that, and that's, you know, what you're doing is feeding the microbes there, yeah, uh, yeah. which you know, a lot of plants need microbes to help absorb um, their nutrients in water. Um, the exceptions would be anything in the azalea family. Uh, you don't normally want to add any mycorrhizae or anything like that to any of the ericaceous plants, uh, rhododendrons, pyrus, those sort of things. So uh, anyway, in the next hour, we are going to cover mulches, uh, a little bit about huh, them. Get it, cover mulch. There we go. <laughs> and, and also a little bit about what this weather is doing, uh, the good parts, good things that it's mm-hmm. doing and the bad things that it's doing. So, but it's just, you know, Memphis, what, what yeah, I was going to say, weren't we talking about it last week, I think, where in one day, one day you have spring, fall, winter, summer. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you literally, and I mean, that's, I'm talking about 24 hours, not just, right. I can't imagine why we all ha- have allergies. Yeah. I can't imagine. I'm, I'm curious on what some of the plants are going to do that I didn't have covered that were above ground. Well, give us a call when we come back. 901-260-5926. This is Mid-South Gardening. Thank you. 
the garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. So glad to be with you this morning. Kenneth is going to be out today and uh, I'm Veda with Palladio. And I'm Jim Crowder. And so he's Jim Crowder. And uh, <laughs> we yeah. uh, see some of our topics were going to be the mulches and this up and down weather. And uh, I've seen so many things that I was wanting to talk about with this type of up and down weather. And I know you have as well. Uh, one, yeah. one of the things that I was thinking of was, was the hydrangeas in bud enough, were their buds swollen enough to kill them with, if we didn't cover them? That's what I'm wondering. But it kind of iced over before we got really low. Yeah, the temperature I'm wasn't as concerned about as I was the 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 warm ground temperature mm-hmm. that we've had and the bud swelling and then getting a frost on them, you know, they'll withstand quite cold temperatures. Right. Uh, yeah, Cause they're grown much further North than, than Memphis. Yeah. So I, I agree. That was really where I should started with, but that's what I was wondering. The plants soils warm, the plants are warm growing more than they should. Yeah. Mine right now are, are look pretty tight. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, most of mine are in shade. Uh, so uh, right now I'm, I'm not yet concerned about them. Yeah. Um, and luckily we're not going to get, well, this week we're not going to get really warm. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be really in, cold. Right, right. So this week we should be fine. And, uh, what but, was another one? Well, you know, the things that are popping up, people get concerned about tulips and things yeah, like that yeah. that are up a little bit early. You know, if you're, there's not much you can do to stop it. Uh, <laughs> right. so, you know, hopefully we'll get a little cool weather to slow them down. Um, but, you know, as long as we're getting these uh, warmer days, you, you, we just run that possibility of the stuff popping up. If you're concerned about things like tulips, throw a little pine needles on them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, steal some of the neighbor's leaves if you have, don't have some left. They would just, be happy for yeah, you to do and that. And just pile, pile them on top of them. And, and that will help slow them down because it will prevent the ground from getting sunlight on it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's one of the main things, one of the main reasons we put mulch down is to help mediate that soil temperature. Uh, we live, you know, we got... I've said this a bazillion times on here, I know, but we live in a, an area that's the transition zone where the soil warms and thaws repeatedly. And if you look at our past temperature records, we are significantly warmer than we were 20 or 40 years ago. So we're having more warm temperatures during the winter than we used to have. And our, so it, things are, think it's spring, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and we're going to continue to see that, I think, uh, until we go into a cooling phase on the earth. <laughs> right, right. That sure felt like a cooling phase last week. Didn't it did. It? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So also one of the things were being warm, there was still a lot of heat. Let's say in the bug in the things that were above ground, yes. like say mm-hmm. for instance the garden center. So there was a lot of heat still built up in the root ball and the bucket and even on the ground so first all that heat heat needed to leave the plants before they could start freezing 
are getting really cold. So that buys you some time right there as well. And um, so far as me putting a bunch of stuff up, I really wasn't worried about it this first time. Yeah. But if we keep staying colder, then your ground's going to be colder and your soil's going to be colder. And so it's going to freeze quicker. That would be a true statement. <laughs> I had like, to think about it. I know you were looking at me. I was like, wait, <laughs> that's got to be right. <laughs> but yeah, the transition zone, that's one of the things that makes it difficult that's here. Right. Summer or winter or spring or fall, just any time. Right. And, you know, so... So many of the plants that we grow here are in, prefer to be in other areas, either areas where the soil stays warm all the time. Mm-hmm. They will tolerate some freezing, but they would really rather be further south. And then the plants that like having the ground frozen throughout the, the winter, and then, you know, they survive just fine, and then they warm up in the spring. But, and, you know, as I say, right here in our area, zone really 8 a or 8B through 6A or so, uh, it's too far south for most plants and too far north for everything else. So <laughs> We are in a weird position. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's tough to grow a lot of plants that we like here. Now, yeah. you know, there's been a real push lately, particularly in natives, people wanting mm-hmm. to grow things. Um, if if you see something growing alongside the road that you think is spectacular, I'd like to know about it yeah. because I hadn't seen it yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, but there there are like uh, say there's the native sumac, but now they fall color. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and then they they've hybridized. Grolo, yeah, little dwarf one. Yes, and yeah. then the black ones is the there's yellows and there's blacks yes. and that. Yeah. Um, so they're pretty foliage. Yeah. But that wouldn't be considered a native yeah. because, it, but it could you know, naturalize. Yeah. You know, they, I know most of the native plants have have they have some of them have attractive flowers, but they're mm-hmm. short periods, um, and they to me just don't have the wow factor that a lot of the yeah the more exotic stuff does, which is you know what I like. So yeah, yeah, because there are a lot of different reasons even visually on what type of garden you plant. Mm -hmm. Because if someone's goal is for certain birds or butterflies, hummingbirds and all of that, if that, well, of course that's our goal, but if somebody's looking deeper into it, certain types of beneficial insects that that Mm -hmm. want to go in there, then you're seeing your garden differently than, than seeing it as a wow, wow factor. Right. You know, yeah. and my garden is a little bit of both. It's it's more wow factor, you know, because mm-hmm. I like camellias and, and things like that. I like really pretty flowers. I grow lots of flowers. Um, but I have, like we talked about, the red twig dogwood. Uh, I have one planted. Um, I enjoy the red twigs uh, in in during the wintertime. But it is a food source for a number of different plants, a number of different insects. Uh, so it's there uh-huh. to feed them. Uh, right, I have a yeah. um, I have a um, pawpaw mm-hmm. in, in an effort to try to draw the tiger swallowtail. I have yet to do it. Oh, it's any luck yet? <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> but, but you I have will. Hope. Yeah, exactly. Hope. But you will. So. Um, the pawpaw. What's the other? I just thought of him as a deciduous holly. No, I haven't no, talked no. about pawpaw. Pawpaw, a semina triloba. It has the. Oh, has that a ban- helps. It, 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 <laughs> it has a banana-like fruit on it. Um, 
Oh, um, you oh, know, oh, it's, oh, it's a beautiful yeah. native plant. It's, oh, it's yeah. great. And looks always kind of looks like it needs water. <gasps> kind of wilts. Uh-huh. Uh, the leaves kind of hang down. Um, and it is, it's viney? Uh, no, no, okay. it's 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 small. It's large shrub, small tree, uh, but has mm-hmm. has nice fall, fall foliage. Uh, but the fruit is supposed to be really good. Now, uh, the one I've got, I believe, is a male, because uh, I've not mm-hmm. seen any any signs of a fruit, uh, or it could just be that there's not a male around to pollinate it. Um, but it's yeah, you know, but it was planted specifically for a butterfly. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. That, yeah. It. That kind of thing. Right. So even if sometimes it doesn't look like the wow, wow factor or if it's not strategically planted, a lot of people just don't like that. Mm-hmm. But if you're in it for really detailed wildlife, then it's a whole different look. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but then ornamental grasses are also great for the wildlife as well. And we're beginning to learn how to use those more, the ornamental grasses. And there's different, so many different varieties. So, you know, I don't even know how many more <laughs> there are oh, than God. before. Hundreds and hundreds and new ones coming out every year. Yeah. You know, we've got some uh, supposedly hardy purple penicetums now. I have heard about that. What yeah. do you think? Black Knight. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I planted one uh, three or four years ago. It did not survive uh, that November mm-hmm. freeze that we had. Yeah. Um, but, but then again, it was warm. Then we had the freeze. So maybe if we had a... And it could be that it just didn't get enough water through the winter. It was a mm-hmm. fall planted thing I bought on clearance, yeah. you know, and so I don't know. And that was one good thing is we did get a lot of rain before we had this cold, That's cold true. weather. That's true. Absolutely. So we're, you know, I would say majority of the time we do get a good rain before a freeze. However, we get that lucky. I don't know. But I mean, not 100% of the time, but. To me, the majority of the time, yeah. I recall, because otherwise we would have to be watering the garden center right. entirely before it was so, freezing. You know, Mother Nature does that. She'll send a, a front through that will give mm-hmm. us some rain and then followed by cold air. Uh, so, you know, and typically in the wintertime, that's about every three days. Right. All right. We're going to go for a break. And so we're going to answer your garden questions. We'll um, take your call at 260-5926. Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. If you have gardening questions, give us a call at 260-5926. You can uh, listen to our podcast. You can stream us online. KWMRadio.com. So you can find us all kinds of ways. And we've got David. Good morning, David. You're in the Mid-South Garden. Good morning. Hey, my friend. How are you? I'm doing well. Happy New Year to you both. And to you, you, sir. Thank you. You too. I, um... I reckon I didn't hear you guys when you first came on. That's that's ungodly hour. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's why, that's why we record it. <laughs> we wouldn't do the first hour, <laughs> right? <laughs> but we are here the first hour. Well, Ken sounds like Ken's playing hooky today. Yeah, he um, is. Yeah. Well, that's okay. Y'all sound pretty pretty good without him, but. Better with him, I think. Yeah, I, yeah. He's I'm just used to the three. Well, there used to be a musical group back in the day called Three Degrees. I know y'all don't remember that, but I think of y'all that way. The Three Degrees. Oh but, yeah, uh, yeah. That's I kind of <laughs> like that name. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I talked to you maybe last year about. <laughs> well, I'm sure it was. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it was. <laughs> okay. I, I was thinking maybe the year before that. <laughs> right. There you go. <laughs> We're still but lost. Anyway, uh, good one. Um, I, I got a couple of trees. One is a pecan tree, which I love, but I'm pretty sure it's dying. Um, the limbs, um, the hole at the bottom of the base, um, the, the um, carpentry ants um, that are inside. Uh, what's amazing, and maybe an allegory for life, is that it still bears fruit, of which the mm-hmm. squirrels, who I hate sometimes, <laughs> just take them off the, the branches while they're green, which I never, ever will understand. Um, okay. Oh, they're stashing them, I guess. They're what They're now? stashing them and then waiting them for it to ripen, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Because, But they leave a lot of them just on the ground. They don't even bury them. But um, They're picky, but aren't case, they? <laughs> so I'm going to need um, an arborist to look at it business is picking up for me and I need to probably get this tree removed and then I got another one in the front I got to get looked at too you were mentioning that you had some people so I'm going to text you or something and get that information from you okay and have them come out but um yeah. is there any way to know definitely without an arborist whether that tree needs to be removed well um okay first is if it can fall and hit your house then I'd definitely have an arborist come take a look at it, just to be sure. Okay. Um, Now, carpenter ants mean that you've got fermenting, dying wood inside there. They're feeding on the sap and and fungus that grows on that. Okay. The only part of the tree that is actually alive is just under the bark. Okay. All that heartwood that's up in the center there is dead wood. The only danger is if that is rotting out, then the tree becomes less sturdy and it could break in a high wind. Okay, But the tree could actually live for many, many, many years and be totally hollow in the inside. Okay? Wow. So yeah. it's just whether or not it poses a danger to you or your neighbors or something like that. That would be the question I would want answered. Yeah, you could also, sometimes you can peel the bark off. Uh, clean it up, clean up the areas, and you, you'll you find some issues doing that way, too. Yeah. And uh, then another thing, like you were saying, ironically, is a lot of times when plants are in the process of dying, they reproduce uh, more because they're trying to They'll repopulate. they put on a much heavier crop of, of pecans. Yeah. So what I would do would be, uh, if you can reach inside that hole, I don't know how big it is, is, scrape out anything that you can see that's bad, and then spray a good insecticide-fungicide combination up in that hole, and do that three or four times a year, okay, just, just as a precaution. And that should slow down the process if we can get chemical on most of that area inside there. Uh, and then again, you're just going to have to ascertain whether or not, you know, it could hit your house and. Yeah. And I would. Oh, no, it, I don't have to ascertain that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I know. Okay. <laughs> then, you know. Definitely call an arborist. Then have an arborist and see how extensive the damage is up inside of it right. and see whether or not, you know, like they're usually going to recommend if, the, if it's rotting up on the inside, they're going to recommend you mm-hmm. take it out. 
Yeah. Okay. I'm going to text you. Um, do I need to send you pictures, Beta, or just text you and, and, and you give me that those arbors? Yeah, yeah, just text. Come out years ago. Yeah. Um, more than last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and they never came. So, yeah, um, we'll, we'll get you. We'll get you the name of some people that yeah. will actually show up. Right. Okay. Good yeah. deal. All right. Appreciate y'all as always. I have a happy new year, right. David. Thank thanks you, for David. calling this yeah. morning. Thank you for All calling. Right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh yeah, especially if it is coming close to your house, <laughs> take it down. <laughs> I, I saw a um, tree that was humongous, and it fell the other direction from the house if it had fallen on the house i think the whole house would have been flattened but but it makes me wonder because it didn't come out of the ground did they ever notice anything and a lot of people don't even look at their Mm -hmm. trees to notice that anything's happening and unfortunately if you've got a yard with lots of big trees in it you really should pay someone to come out and see if they need to lighten it up limb it up some just overall check of the health yeah because it's just hard to see just looking at it it is a lot of times you won't see any damage at all on it Mm -hmm. uh we had a a tree fall there in bartlett across bartlett boulevard i think last year that uh, it was huge Uh, and you could you could walk through it it was so hollow but Hmm. it had to have been like that for years and years and years for that much of that wood to totally decomposed out of there uh, but the, otherwise, the tree looked healthy. Think you know? about the redwoods where you can drive through <laughs> the trees. <laughs> yeah. See, they're they're missing a lot, and they've been living for how long? <laughs> yeah, a couple <laughs> a long thousand time. years. Yeah. Gosh, nature is just so amazing. Because, I mean, it will uh, heal itself. And in order to heal itself, it's got to take over things <laughs> like your sidewalks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your house with the vines and all. So uh, nature will have a way of recovering. A lot of times it doesn't recover where we want it to. Yeah, and we, we think of these as, you know, as really bad things, but they're just, they're natural events mm-hmm. that happen, you know, and it's a shame always to lose a big tree, but it, unfortunately, it does happen in time. Yeah, and you also, another good thing is to, if you've got some big, larger trees it's good to plant some smaller trees that can replace yeah. when the bigger ones plan die ahead. at. Yeah, <laughs> plan ahead. And unfortunately, that's one of those things where you say, um, I'm doing great right now. The shade's wonderful. I'll plant it next year. And then I'll plant it next year because you're having the advantage of that wonderful tree. But imagine if it comes down and you haven't added to your landscape. But then what if the tree doesn't come down and you planted a big oak that's going to grow up into the big tree? It's going to be thin and it's going to grow up in there. You right, know? and it's going to grow crooked. And, but they all grow together really good in the woods. But then, of course, also the woods doesn't mix some of the varieties of trees like we do. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, if you noticed, and there, there's in the woods, there's not all the varieties that we plant. Like, there's not a cherry tree growing next to the oak tree out there when you're taking a hike. No, you, you're going to see trees that all are pretty much the same height, regardless mm-hmm. of where you're at. They're going to be, yeah. they're going to max out around the same height. So, um, you know, they're going to cast shade on everything underneath it. And most of these plants uh, don't do well in their own shade. Uh, that's right. If you have a mm-hmm. the natural progression, uh, you know, if if you had a fire that took everything out, 
the natural progression is that you're going to have grasses pop up first. Then you're going to have mm-hmm. conifers come in, junipers, things like that, or what red cedars. Um, and then as those mature, uh, their seedlings won't come up in their own shade. So as mm-hmm. they die out, then you'll see hardwoods move in. Yeah. Uh, and then they come up, overshade the conifers, and the mm-hmm. conifers die out. So that's just a natural progression here um, yeah. that, that you would see. Well, and also in a lot of uh, forest parks and things, even Overton Park, they have times where they're cleaning out a lot of the things that are growing up in the into the trees and all because of the fact that all that understory stuff does shade some of the seedling trees and Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden you have a forest that's going to stop because the big trees die out but no little trees have grown up into it so you have to do some understory maintenance Mm -hmm. as well but we're gonna um, run off to a break really quick and we'll answer your gardening questions but you can also find us on um the uh, podcast. Yep, and always download a podcast at kwamradio.com. And always, you know, if you haven't joined, please join our Facebook group, Mid-South Gardening. Right. You can see us on Facebook Live right now as well. And um, find all kinds of information. <laughs> if I would wake up, <laughs> I think if I sleep a lot, I'm going to be sleepy. Right. I'm dormant. I'm going to wake her up and we'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening, and just I got to say hello, Cherry Jenkins. And then um, we didn't have our Facebook page up because Kenneth usually takes care of that. And we had some questions on there, so sorry that we missed you. One of them was, um, what extra care can we do to make our aloe vera bloom? To make it bloom. Yeah. Well, part of it is age, okay? Normally, they have Mm -hmm. to get some good size on them before they will bloom. Um, and, And then the other thing is give it bright light. Uh, you might give it an additional dose of phosphorus. Uh, mm-hmm. It tends to encourage them to bloom. Um, and then other than that, it's just wait. Yeah, that's true. Just yeah. wait. You know, the aloe vera is invasive in some places. They, they can be, yes. So you divided your aloe vera and brought it to us. Yep, gave you some pups. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's so cute. Pups. That mm-hmm. we call our little plants pups. Mm-hmm. Why? <laughs> I always why, but um, have has yours bloomed yet? Uh, no, the mine mm-hmm. are much too young. Right, you know, they need to get up. Um, with the, the, I, I would say at least twelve, fifteen inches tall, and I mean mm-hmm. big, thick leaves okay. on it before yeah. I've ever seen one bloom. I got you. So, because these the ones we have now are three inches tall and and about as big around as a fat pencil yeah 
And so we're needing them to look. They need to be like, three-gallon size plants yeah. before you really are likely to get a bloom out Okay, of so to get them to bloom, of course, good healthy soil. They like the drainage, but just grow them bigger. Yes. <laughs> and then it's we'll gotta have some Got to get some, some size bloom. on them. And I want to see that bloom when you get it to bloom. You're going to have to put it on the Facebook page. Let me see. What another question? Um, oh, should I? I have never heard this one before, but you laughed. So you must have heard it. And Jan, one master gardener wife, she had posted, picking up pawpaws, put them in your pocket. Picking up pawpaws, put them in your pocket. Picking up pawpaws, put them in your pocket, way down yonder in the pawpaw patch. Mm-hmm. You've heard that one? You never, never sang heard. that as a kid? I, no. Oh, That's, yeah. I'm saying, um, you know. Poke salad, Annie Gators got your granny. No, no, that I've that, seen that, one. that was geared more for adults. <laughs> Picking up pawpaws goes back to you know like um, London bridges falling down. It was a kindergarten type oh. song. Well, I can't believe, and I was raised right here in Memphis. We just didn't sing the pawpaw song. Okay, I'm seeing if there's any more questions. Well, we got that great song from Jan. Um, Okay, so as y'all want, if you want to post a question on our Facebook Live, just look us up on Facebook and put in Mighty 990. Yep. You can find us that way, too. So now I'm going to close it so I don't have to see myself. (laughs) And then I will check a little bit later and see if y'all posted any questions. But we had been the mulch thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're talk about different mulches. We're going to talk about different mulches, and particularly if you're trying to protect some things that are that are coming up. Uh, Pine needles are are very very good, and and there's a whole lot of misinformation out there about pine needles. You know, they're going to be acidic. They're going to change your pH, and then going to happen. Okay, you can pile them ten feet deep on your plants, and they're not going to change your pH. Uh, Your soil is extremely stable, um, and they're only fresh green. Pine needles are, are are slightly acidic, mm-hmm. but once they uh, have turned brown, there's virtually you know uh, no acidity in them yeah. uh, to speak of. But they're, they're and they're so light and fluffy that it would take a it's got to get down into the soil. Yeah, and it, it would take time to decompose. <laughs> yeah. But they're not even you know like I said they're not ever going to change your pH. Mm-hmm. You can use them around boxwoods if you want to. Our boxwood, there is no boxwoods, sorry. Um, no Kroger's either? No, yeah, it's just a Kroger. <laughs> um, but, they, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to hurt anything. And they're great because they will shade the soil surface and help moderate your temperature, but they allow a lot of air to get through, which is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those weeds that need sunlight to germinate usually can't. Um, it won't block all of your weeds coming up, but... Um, you know, there are some weed seed that need sunlight to germinate and some that want to be covered uh, before they'll germinate. So this, these will stop a good right. a good, many, a good many of your weeds. Uh, pine bark is used a good bit. Now, uh, it can be a little bit heavy if you're trying to cover tulips now. So normally on things that are coming up, I, I use either just leaves, uh, and you can use oak leaves. They're not, they're not going to change your pH either. Uh, or you can use pine needles. But for mulches in the soil, uh, on your on your shrubs, uh, pine is inexpensive. Uh, we use a lot of hardwood here, mm-hmm. which is fine. But again, none of these are going to change your pH. You use pick out whatever mulch you want, and they're not going to change your pH. Yeah, I like the uh, pine fines because they break down into the soil quicker. And it lasts longer than it seems like it would 
because it's so tiny. Yeah. The, my only concern is if, is if you've got areas that will wash. Yeah. You and uh, I've got I've put it all over the garden center in various places and it stayed wonderfully except for the area <laughs> by the dry creek bed that, of course, when it rains a lot, it's there to drain the water off. Right. Well, the dry creek bed was too full, so it jumped up in the bed and washed all the mulch out. Yeah. Pine so. needles, uh, I mean, pine vines are great for soil amendment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most all of the grower mixes that you see on nursery stock that's produced use a pine bark-based mix. Uh, it's inexpensive. It holds moisture well, but yet still drains, mm-hmm. uh, and it it decomposes into good organic matter. Uh, again, it is uh, it's not going to change your pH. It actually has a good bit of calcium in it, so it it would raise your pH if it did anything. It wouldn't lower it, but it's it's not doesn't have enough to affect anything. Yeah. So really, the only issue that mulch causes is if you pile it up too high. Get it too deep. Get it up mm-hmm. against something. You know. During the wintertime, when the temperatures are cool, it doesn't matter if your bark if bark mulch mm-hmm. is touching the base of your plants, okay? But when it begins to warm up, you don't want any decomposing organic matter up against your trunk. So you want to pull it back, and just an inch. I mean, that's all yeah. it takes. Just get it off right. of it. Yeah, because if the mulch is on there, it keeps it moist. Right. Um, it's a good place for insects to start burrowing, and as it becomes keeps the moisture going, then... It kind of, it causes a rot around the outside cambium layer, um, and then the insects are allowed to get in that way. So that's one issue, or just a simple fact is they don't like the mulch that high. That's right. You know, two inches of mulch really is all you really need. Um, uh, it, it just needs to be coarse enough that it air moves through it well. You mm-hmm. don't want to inhibit your the air uh, the gaseous exchange from your soil. That's that's kind of key. Well, when I mulch, I actually do not throw it all the way up under the shrubs. Yeah. Because, you know, I take it a little bit in of the drip line so you can't see, you know, these bare spots around. Uh, Now, I would throw compost all the way up under the shrubs, but the mulch I don't because, um, you know, you don't have to. The shrub's protecting the soil. Yeah, most all of the roots that are of any importance are out beyond the drip line anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it makes mulching so much easier. I mean, I've seen people down on the ground climbing up under azaleas to get it all perfectly put up right next to the trunk. And I'm thinking y'all could have been done hours ago if you would just put it out there and not worry about it taking it all the way in because it's just going to naturally take care of itself. And um, some of the mulches with the dyes in them, have they? I haven't checked in a while but, like, there was the black mulch that was dyed, and one time we had to use it around a swimming pool that had all the white concrete. It was horrible because all the the um, black mulch just smeared on the white concrete. Well, you know, and there's two types of black mulch. One is dyed. Mm-hmm. One actually is mixed with carbon dust. That's the one I'm thinking yeah, of. Yeah, and, and when water runs through it, it's black. Yeah. You know. Um, so you can, and, and you can get a little discolored water coming out of most all of them that we see sold in bulk around here will bleed brown after mm-hmm. you hit, hit it with water. And it's because all the tannic acid hasn't leached out of it yet. It's, it really yeah. isn't quite ripe. Right. Yeah, yeah. right. That's a good way and, to put and it. And I have seen some that was still warm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's decomposing and you throw it on around pansies. Yes. And, and it will, it the, the tannic acid, as it's volatile away from it, it will actually turn pansy mm-hmm. silver. 
just <laughs> take the color right out of them. Oh, it uh, is amazing. I've seen that happen before because it's just too hot. It, it is. And it's it, taken all the nutrients out of the soil. It takes the nitrogen out of the soil to help decompose that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, And right there at the surface is the issue, you know. Uh, it's not going to affect some of your shrubs as much, but annuals and, and very shallow-rooted plants, that you know, if it's not ripe, if it smells like a whiskey barrel, mm-hmm. it's, it really isn't quite ripe yet. And there's some that's worse than a whiskey barrel. Yeah, some of them smells like garbage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I wouldn't want to use black mulch because I'm trying to cool my soil, and black just absorbs the heat. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that would be counterproductive to me, unless it was in the shade, of course. But then the mulch wouldn't stand out so much. I mean, I don't want it to stand out crazy-like, but I do like that look Mm -hmm. of the difference of the mulch between the the shrubs. But then at the same time, when I have so many different beds, to me, those beds require a different kind of mulch. Yeah, you know, I use uh, Cypress just because one is fairly inexpensive. It lasts a long time, but I like the light color against the green yeah. plants. Um, and, and it's also, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Can you get it in bulk? I haven't checked. Yes, you can. That's even yeah. better. Yes, you can. So, Because I love the cypress mulch the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the best looking one. But you can get it in bulk, so that's going to help a lot. Yeah, uh, cedar is, is good. It's pretty. It, de- mm-hmm. it, hold, it takes a long time to decompose. And it does have some small amount of insect repellent. Thank you. Quality. (laughs) I was not sure if I should say that out loud. Yeah, you know. (laughs) Now, if it's been well aged, it's pretty much lost that. Mm. But if it's fairly fresh where you can smell the cedar, then it it does tend to repel some insects. Yeah, I was thinking that could be the possibility since it repels moths. Right. Mm -hmm. Or helps with it. And uh, I guess it would repel anything if uh, you had to smell enough of it. And then the question is, if it's doing that, what's it doing to your worms? I wonder. I don't know. Do they want to leave? I've wondered that, but I've never found anything that says whether or not it repels worms. I'm thinking that one through. Well, we're going to have to think that one through later because that's going to be a lot of thinking through. So we're going to run off to a break. And um, during that break, think of your gardening questions and call us 260-5926. Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. And we wanted to get a sh- give a shout out to a number of uh, towns. We, we, have, yeah. we have been real pleased with the number of downloads that we've had uh, on the podcast. Uh, nearly 3,000, I think, last month. But we're getting uh, it, a lot of those come from well outside the immediate listening area. And uh, right now I want to give a shout out to those who are listening in. And these are real people in Atlanta, Little Rock, Huntsville, Alabama, Birmingham, Alabama, the villages in Florida. That's where they uh, we had uh, all these people that were voting twice, I believe. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and it also in Chicago, we appreciate you listening and uh, tell your friends about us. Um, and, you know, feel free to post a question on our website uh, or on our Facebook group, Face, um, Mid-South Gardening, and we, will, uh, we'll be, we would love to talk to you. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, because we like to hear what's going on in other areas, too. We get to travel to them a little bit, and... 
sometimes when we would go to trade shows in all like Atlanta, we mm-hmm. would go to trade shows there. But the only landscaping I know about Atlanta is all in the city. Because well, in the big containers and all of that, because uh, well, I didn't go uh, cruising. You know, across the country, though, problems, which is most of what we deal with, are the same, okay? Mm-hmm. Maybe different plants used right. in the landscape, but so many of the issues are the same, and that's, you know, and that's what we can address. You know, we can fix the soil problems pretty much mm-hmm. wherever you are if we know what your soil is like. So I wonder if that is a question that people ask in these areas that have really good soil. You know, like you wouldn't have to ask, what kind of soil did you use? Because yeah. here you have, you have to ask that because that's going to be one of the biggest issues that can be happening if you've used the improper planting care, the improper planting soil. But in areas with good soil, you don't even have to talk know, about you know, that. I've known uh, Rick Pudwell over the Botanic Gardens who was at the zoo for when he, I met him right after he moved here around know, 30 years ago, 35 years ago. But it, it was so much different for him because mm-hmm. he came from an area where you could stick your soil down to your your arm into your soul down an elbow deep you know it was so black and rich and easy mm-hmm. to grow stuff in you know and coming here was quite a culture shock to him as far as the soil oh that so, would be because i gardened some in memphis with my grandparents and my parents but then i moved to texas and had to learn all the soil prep and all of that mm-hmm. and then i moved to Mem- back home to memphis and still this it was really the same soil prep um, as in Central Texas, as it was here in pretty, Memphis, pretty pretty much. So yeah. I thought that just everybody's soil was like that, yeah. <laughs> but no, I finding out, especially in the garden centers, when people come in from other areas, northern areas, or what have you, and some of them are so frustrated because they cannot grow a thing. They don't understand the soil texture. Mm-hmm. They just they just don't understand it. And, and so by the time you finish explaining how you've got to prepare your soil, what you need to do, they go, they say, I have to rebudget my whole landscape plan. Yeah, and a lot of times they'll think immediately, well, uh, this nasty clay soil, we just need to get this out yeah. of here and replace it, which yeah. is not what you want to do in most cases. Right. So, you know, it's uh, a lot of times, unfortunately, our new gardeners learn by uh, experience that mm-hmm. – uh, what you think grows soil well doesn't black doesn't necessarily mean good soil yeah okay. that's true uh so well, y- you've kind of got to get that out of your head and here's the other thing memphis soil can be deceiving because when you till it it's wonderful it's all broke up nicely it, it smells mm-hmm. good you've tilled it and you think wow everything can grow in here but it reverts back so yeah. quickly it loses its air i say mother nature doesn't like you fooling with her soil I know it. even if you mix organic matter in there you know you add five or ten or six you don't want to go much higher than about eight percent organic organic matter because then you get into soil that really doesn't grow well Mm -hmm. uh but it you know if you're getting five to seven percent organic matter in your soil um over about a three-year period it goes away yeah yeah you know and it'll go back to your native soil right the plants are are eating it absorbing all the good compost microbes and and everything so it just it it goes away and um 
So, you know, basically when we're planting new plants, what we're doing is giving them like a three-year head start to help get yeah. through loosened soil. And then they're on their own. They have to live in the soil that we've got here because, you know, we talk about our root zones here are much, much wider than the the, the canopy of the tree. So they're, they're going out into unprepared soil, you mm-hmm. know. And when you plant a new plant, if you dig a good three or four foot wide hole, it doesn't take very long for those roots to get outside yeah. that. So we're giving them about three years to get some good roots established running across the top of the soil. Uh, and then they're on their own, and it goes back to to what it was originally. Yeah, that is why you cannot dig a hole that is exactly the same size as the root ball because the roots aren't going to break out into that hard pan soil. Yeah. But at the same time, you don't um, just totally backfill that hole with just 100% compost. No. Like you said, you're going to take the the soil out, but you're going to want to take compost um, just to make it a good fluffy. Well, you really don't want it fluffy for a tree. Like you said, about 8% compost mixed with the soil. Break up that soil, but you have to use that soil to put back in. (laughs) And uh, break that up with your compost and then put it around the root ball. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that uh, a lot of people wonder is how much can you break your roots up? You know, should you break your roots up? Well, it depends on actually what it looks like when you pull it out of the container. And what time of the year you're planting. You know? Yeah, tell me that one. Well, you know, if you're doing it right now, you can do significant damage to it. And in fact, a lot of trees will even tolerate you taking all the soil off yeah, and putting yeah. it back on there because they're going to generate new feeder roots in the spring. Um, but if you're doing this, if you're planting that same tree in the middle of August, mm-hmm. you don't want to disrupt those roots much because you are in the process going to rip off those microscopic root mm-hmm. hairs. You may think you're not doing significant damage, but when you pull them loose, you're losing a lot of those yeah. root hairs and those are necessary for water absorption. So when you put it in the ground, it can't get enough water. So it wilts a little bit and then you go, oh, I mm-hmm. need to give it more water. Then you fill up the air spaces and it can't breathe. And so it wilts a little bit more, you know, as, right. it, in, as it begins to root rot. And then it just keeps going bass backwards on you because yeah. you're you're giving it what it doesn't need. Well, you kind of get stuck in this thing on what do you do because you need to break the roots some so they don't keep circling around in the tree that's true but when you break them you're like you just went through your uh root hairs and all that are becoming damaged so just as much as i hate to say that's why we say don't plant in the middle of summer i know i want to plant all the time but i mean you can you can but but you know it made it harder on yourself right yeah, actually. And then sometimes you need to just prune back. If um, you plant and you damage too much of the, the hair on it, then you've got to prune back. But just hang on because we're going to uh, take a break and call us garden help you need now mid-south gardening on the mighty 990 powered by palladio home and garden with your hosts veda vance kenneth mabry and jim crowder good morning welcome back to mid-south gardening if you have gardening questions 260-5926 um you can stream us online kwamradio.com 
and also Jim's Facebook page. Join our Facebook group, Mid-South Gardening. Uh, you can post questions there. I see we've got uh, someone just posted a uh, ficus benjamina that is uh, dropping leaves like mad and uh, wants to know what's wrong. And we will talk, I'll send her a message shortly after the program here. Oh, uh, uh, what's wrong? Oh, yeah, because she put it on your Facebook page. Yes. But yes. in case y'all are wondering why her leaves may be dropping. Uh, she just she moved it inside and yeah. it's not getting as much light as it was. Right. So yeah. It's and just f- trying to fix what you did to it. Yeah. So shake, just go ahead and shake the tree, get all the leaves to fall off, and just get it over with. Right. And um, now, I do if, notice and on the picture here, it looks like she's got Christmas lights strung up through it. Uh, if if you leave those on, it may slow it down some. Uh, may do what? Oh, slow the leaf drop right. because it's give getting, it more light. Yeah, we always had Christmas lights on Mom's ficus. Yeah. So that that's good. A really good idea. Yeah, but she's got it right in front of a window here in the picture, so I'm 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 pretty sure that it's going to. Uh, uh, recover because yeah, it's and acclimate right as long as she doesn't overwater it. Yeah, I'm thinking, what if she never moved it in the first place? Then it wouldn't be going through this, right? Yeah, unless it got way too dry with the lights adding the extra heat and it pulled moisture up faster than I mean, maybe too yeah. dry, but mostly it's just change of yeah. light. Well, she says she's tried overwatering it, underwatering it, <laughs> you know, fertilizing <Right>. it. <laughs> so, oh, so get your moisture meter <laughs> and check and see really how much. Um, yeah, you can you can move a, a, a ficus from one side of a window to the other, and it'll shed leaves. You know? This is true. Yeah, this is true because we had one that <laughs> in the back it was in the back window, and getting sun through the window, not intense sun. So changing the display around, I moved it to the very front window. So they're both moved in light, but it still dropped some leaves. Yep. But it started putting new ones back on, you know, pretty pretty soon. So that's how uh, you can tell if you did long-term damage or not, is you'll see little bitty leaflets coming out. Mm-hmm. And like the uh, corn plant or the dracaena, I think we should call them dracaenas because corn plants I mean, their leaves look like corn they plants, mm-hmm. but now there's so many colors and, and different varieties. But you can take houseplants and just cut them back. And the corn plant, I cut, it was about 10 feet tall, and it was watered improperly. So it was having the black on the end of the leaves, and then it was having, um, like, looking like a fungal issue. So um, I cut it back. Because it was looking so bad. And it took, <laughs> because I'm telling them at work, you can cut this back and it's going to flush right out and it's no big deal. Oh, it wasn't flushing out. Not at all. And they're go. I'm going, plant, you have to flush out. <laughs> I'm just, because they're all, Veda knows this, Veda knows that. And I'm like, you have to flush out. And it wasn't. And I was about ready to throw it away, went on vacation, been gone like a week and a half or something, came back, and it's flushing out. But I had, because it was still green, you could tell mm-hmm. it was green, but sometimes you have to sweat it out, as they call it. Mm-hmm. So it's actually flushing out. But you can do that. So many houseplants you can just cut back. Yeah, you know, most of them have adventitious buds that will form. Um, but even if they don't, it takes a little while for those hormones to move to an area to produce a bud and then once that bud forms then it will start putting out foliage um but it uh, particularly if it's going through a dormant period in which Mm -hmm. even tropicals go through a dormant period where 
the sugars move to the root system, then that's that's got to reverse before mm-hmm. you just won't get a bud to open until you get those sugars pushed back up to that area. Well, the that made me think you saying that was the improper watering was getting overwatered. It wasn't to a um, where you could notice it was going to be a root rot problem, but it was getting overwatered. So also that plant did not get water for about two months yeah. because I'm... And it had, really didn't need it. No. It wasn't losing any, you know, right. through foliage. Yeah, so that's what I'm thinking. We had a... But they are neat. You can cut them in a dozen pieces and put them all in the ground and they'll all sprout. I've never done that before on a corn, yeah. corn plant. But the rubber tree plant, that one roots so easily. And it can grow in full sun outside. Oh, yeah. But it, then it's got to come back in. And it'll drop some leaves. Yeah, always, <laughs> always. But um, well, let's see, what else have we got going on? I did, I, there's I, well, there's one thing I did want to mention. We were talking about the up and down temperatures. Yeah. Uh, maybe think about it. Is Does it do any good? And yes, it does. It will. Uh, if we continue to do this, it will significantly reduce our insect population. Going up and down? Going up and down. Oh, because we get warm I temperatures, get we get mm-hmm. part of the eggs that were overwintering to hatch uh-huh. and then they get killed by super cold temperatures well if that continues to happen by the time cold weather is over you have much fewer insect eggs to hatch so mm-hmm. it takes a long time for it to rebuild populations up to the point where it will injure your yeah. plants instead of starting sense. with a hundred percent of the eggs laid in mm-hmm. the fall you may only start with 30% of the eggs that were laid in the fall. Oh, yeah. And then you could also do this, like today, actually, if you've got thick areas of um, leaves or underbrush, uh, turn it, flip it, and get some of the insects exposed because the birds are out looking for things right now. Yeah, so that would be a good idea. And also, don't forget to feed your birds. Now, you know, there's a myth that if you put bird food out, they're going to eat the bird food and not the insects. No. But yeah, no, that doesn't um, doesn't matter if you put the bird food out. They're still going to go for insects first because they're so delicious to a bird. But I threw a suet cake out on the ground. It was so cold I didn't have time to to uh, put it on a string and go out there too far away from the heat <laughs> and tie it up and all of that. So I just selled it out in the yard and. Uh, now the little birds are just, they don't care if it's hanging or on the ground, nope. you know. But, I, I, of course, when I put it on the ground, I kind of sailed it up under some shrubs so they would still have the protection of the, the shrubs because, you know, you're kind of out in the open on the ground if mm-hmm. you're a bird. But um, got to watch out for those hawks. Yeah, you know, hawks eat cats. birds. Yes. Mm, I guess they'll eat anything. Some are almost totally bird eaters. Oh, and dog eaters. <laughs> How about that one? I saw one where a uh, a hawk brought a, a rabbit, a baby rabbit. No, um, a baby kitten. Baby kitten. To uh, the nest, and it was not, it was sad. Yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, the hawks don't do anything to your garden. Yeah, i tell you one night I took my, my little schnauzer out when it was young, and something just caught m- movement out of the corner of my eye and a great horn owl had flown up in the tree the mm-hmm. before I took it out and was eyeing my little schnauzer. Oh, you know, oh. probably too big for it to eat, but it yeah. might have tried. Oh you know? yeah. No, that would have been horrible. Mm. Um, you know, oh, I was reading, I want people to experiment with this. If you plant garlic, lots of garlic around your roses, 
then Japanese beetles will be deterred. Not 100% of them will go away, but I'm hearing that it would repel them because garlic does repel a lot. But um, I think you would have to plant a pretty good amount of garlic to do that. But if you love garlic, it wouldn't be a bad thing to have uh, garlic and roses together in a bed. So if anybody does that that had Japanese beetles on their plants last year, then let me know, does it work or does it not work? Because there's so many things out there that people say yeah, work. Yeah, I've seen a lot of that where it says, you know, and, and a lot of the repellents that we actually spray on plants uh, have garlic in them. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if you sprayed the rosebuds with, with garlic, I suspect it would actually work. Um, yeah. That's such timing, though. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, and a good rain is likely going to wash it off. And so. then also companion planting can mean things that, don't plant together like uh tomatoes don't like rue r-u-e yeah so you're not supposed to plant those two together so companion planting can actually mean which i think that would be more important is what things do you not plant next to each other in a garden you know and i've seen people who who say plant um marigolds with your Mm -hmm. your, with your tomatoes well you know they do repel some insects but they're also spider mite magnets yeah yeah. you know so they can create other issues Right, because really you don't have a tremendous amount of spider mite, spider mite problem in your garden. So why would you... Why would you bring more? Yeah, why would you attract <laughs> more? Uh, and, I, you know, I see, ma- not magnolias, marigolds, because they're such a wonderful old-fashioned plant. They come in so many different colors. But it's almost like I see a 50-50 survival rate with them, and um, where they're either going to get the spider mites or they're going to be flourishing beautifully. And I've never stopped and taken time to compare why these are getting the spider mites and why these don't. Well, drought is a lot of it, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, they... Plants, when they get dry, uh, tend to be magnets also. We see that with junipers. Um, you know, normally, if you'll just once or twice a week go out and spray your junipers down thoroughly with a, a fairly forceful amount of water and water the plant good, they'll never have spider mites. But hey. if they get the least bit dry, and mm-hmm. that's even just the foliage, not necessarily the roots, then we see spider mites move in on them. Maybe you could use that as kind of like the same scenario as a canary in the goal in the coal mine would be if you started seeing spider mites on your uh, marigolds. Maybe it's an indicator because you get spider mites when things are uh, really dry. Maybe it's an indicator that you need to water your garden more. Yeah, that's true. You know, you could look at it like that. <laughs> but it seems like you don't see the spider mites until they're completely, until your plant's white. But we got to take a break and come back and talk about more insects and uh, not bugs. They're insects. Give us a call. 901-260-5926. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We have a question from our Facebook page. Can fescue or ryegrass spread? He's got patches where the seed didn't get sown, and he would like to know if it will spread. The answer is no. <laughs> Just okay. no. Uh, they they don't. The, the ryegrass particularly is a, is if it's annual rye, it's pretty much a couple of blades and that's it. Uh, but the 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 
right, the uh, fescues that we use as turf grasses here do not root spread well at all. Even creeping red fescue um, here, it well, in one, it's not red and it doesn't creep uh, in our type soil. So, no, you, you're going to have to do some reseeding. Now, we'll have a window of opportunity, uh, usually in, in starting sometime in March, where the temperatures are correct to get it down and hopefully get it well enough established before it starts to go dormant when the heat comes on. Uh, so you you do have another opportunity to spread, but no, it uh, it is it is not going to spread on its own. Yeah, that's depressing. Did you say did you say something about the creeping fescue? Because there is a creeping fescue, There's a creeping but it red doesn't fescue, creep here. It doesn't creep, and it's not red. So I don't know why it got that <laughs> name, uh, but. Is it too hot? I think it's for that one. It is. This is the f- f- about the farthest south that we grow the cool season grasses. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, there have been some new ones. Uh, there's a new heat-tolerant bluegrass that has got some early good rec- uh, uh, success with, but it's also under properly maintained. It's mm-hmm. It's not like sow it and let it go on its own. I don't think yeah. it's going to perform well like most homeowners would want it to. Right, right. Well, and that would be one of the grasses that you shouldn't plant if you're trying to be more uh, water conscious. Yeah. Uh, uh, more <laughs> where you want to do maintenance less. So it looks great under trees and all, but that's going to be more work. Yeah, it's gonna, you're going to have to, particularly during the summertime, it's going to need about two inches of water a week to keep that mm-hmm. fescue alive. Uh, the trees are going to get most of it. And if you don't do that, the grass is just going to drop and die. Right. And then, of course, okay, if you think about it like this, planting ground covers helps tremendously. But you wouldn't have to plant the entire area with ground covers. But ground covers are expensive in terms of the comparison of seed versus ground cover. But they will spread in time if you've got a little patience. Right. And they're not so cheap if you keep replacing. However, you're having to do your seed twice a year. You're having to water more. It's taking more energy. So if you can come up with it up front, I would do the ground covers Mm -hmm. that spread quickly. And... You still have to prepare the soil somewhat for ground covers. You would think not, but you really do if you want them to spread quicker. They'll spread quicker, yes. Now, some are fairly forgiving. The things that will spread across the top of the ground, like vinca minor, Mm -hmm. uh, Asiatic jasmine, those, uh, they just root into the soil, and they're fairly forgiving about the soil. You know, Mm -hmm. do a little soil prep when you put the original plant in, but then they'll pretty much take off on their own. But the better the quality of soil mm-hmm. that they're going into, the faster they're going to spread. Right. And which is what we want. Right. <laughs> we like everything to work as fast as possible. Also, you don't have to prepare an entire bed for your ground covers. Right. Because if, you're, if they're growing on the ground, well, that's why they're called a ground cover. I say such smart things sometimes. <laughs> Creeping across the ground. I love her. Yeah. <laughs> then you can prepare that area that the ground cover's going in. Because that's what you're wanting is just that part to get good established because after that, it's just going to spread. Right. Yeah. And we planted like the creeping fig. Everybody grows that up the wall, but it's actually a good ground cover. Yeah, if it'll survive on the ground. That's the mm-hmm. issue. It survives mm-hmm. on walls because of the heat usually. Yeah. Uh, but it technically is a zone nine plant. Yeah. So, yeah, it is. you know, if it's growing out, unless we have an unusually mild 
winter, or we have you have something like um, stepping stones mm-hmm. that will hold some heat. Yeah. Uh, it's probably not going to to survive away from the wall. Right. Yeah. Um, because in this one location, it died all the way to the ground, but it was climbing on a wall. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I was like, okay, this is a zone eight plant. Zone eight. Actually, I think nine is yeah. what it is. Oh, yeah. I think so. So there's just no way it's going to make it through what happened last year. But it did because it was warm, the little crack right there between the wall and the sidewalk. So I've always tried to consciously plant it in a more protected area mm-hmm. so it could get time out of it. But, of course, it died all the way down to the ground, and we just let it grow back. And it grew back quickly because the roots were already established. But it's so pretty. It is. That, it's beautiful. Yeah, that it's worth it's worth the try for me on that. And then some other good ground covers are like the Mazas. I like that one. I don't know if that would do deep shade, though. Well, they say it'll grow about anywhere. Mm. I've not actually grown it because I have heard that if it likes where it's at, it's really aggressive. It is. And that's, you know, I try to avoid those type plants. Mm -hmm. In fact, I planted snow in summer, Asiatic jasmine, around my oak trees. And I I think it's beautiful. I really Uh do. But it, it, it... it can be a, a a little chore keeping it in a confined area. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't understand rock boundaries and yeah. things like that. I like the Asian jasmine. Well, it's what it's, it, it is an yeah, Asiatic jasmine. Yeah, but you've got the variegated. Right. I thought that one, well, just from knowing about it earlier on, at first it seemed hard to actually get to grow. And I never imagined that it would yeah, Get it's, that big. It is, you know, even last year, it, it, it grows up the trunk of my tree about four mm-hmm. feet or so and then hangs over. Uh, some, most of it on the tree died, but some yeah. of it did survive on, even on the tree exposed. Everything on the ground survived. Well, we're totally getting into using it in containers. Yes. You know, because yeah. this gives another good texture, but it Lots it of color over. with it. I mean, yeah. you know, pinks, whites. It's really a nice plant mm-hmm. uh, if used properly. Yeah, and then the regular Asian jasmine, it's so dark green, and you could actually mow it like a lawn and have it come back because it starts getting pretty thick. Yeah, and if you're going to grow true Asiatic jasmine here, you want to look for a variety called Madison. It is by far the hardiest of all the jasmines, Mm -hmm. okay? It has a beautiful flower, very fragrant, blooms easy, um, so... If you can find Madison, choose that one. Okay, that sounds good. And let's see. I also, one plant that I used to really dislike was the Mondo grass, not the dwarf, the thin blade. Yeah, Mm -hmm. thin blade Mondo grass because it was always in a border. Oh, I just did not like it. I'm like, because we saw it everywhere. Why are they using it? Until I saw it used as a, ground cover around a tree and it just looked like some beautiful grass you know Mm -hmm. how your lawn looks great when it gets tall before you mow it it's just pretty and green and flowing and in the breeze Um, but then you mow it and then you've got a regular lawn looking so the uh, mondo grass looks like a nice lawn I mean it's taller but it is so pretty. Yeah, it's very pretty. And if you're into unusual there's a mondo called crystal falls that gets Mm -hmm. about three feet tall uh, makes a beautiful clump grass, has a, yeah. a rather attractive flower spike on it. 
Uh, so it's the yeah. thin blade one. It's no, it's a oh. it's a thicker blade, uh, but it grows like a mondo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it just is a very tall one. See, yeah, more um, of a specimen plant. Mm-hmm. You know, like in in Central Texas, we use the gigantea, gigantea. That's mon- that's a liriope. Yeah, liriope. Right. I can't seem to find, but that was like the thing. You use that in the center, mm-hmm. and then you would plant color or Asian jasmine or whatever around the bottom. It looked so good. But some reason I have not found it. It's tall. Yeah, it doesn't. It, I've not seen any of the traditional growers use it, but mm-hmm. you can, I think, get it from uh, classy ground covers or classic yeah. ground covers in, uh, in what Alabama, Georgia, oh, yes. wherever they are. Because I was going to check them out, actually. Yeah, they're, they're a pretty good company. They have a, they have a retail division which you know most of you would want to be interesting called classy ground covers mm-hmm. and they have sedums they have mondos that you can buy by the flat and delivered right to your home uh they're not the cheapest place i mean if you're trying to buy a mondo you can get it probably cheaper at your local nursery than you can from them mm-hmm. but they have a lot of unusual stuff and they have big right. numbers if you need yeah. that yeah see that's the thing i want to have some unusual so I'm going to have to order from them. Yeah, you know, and you know, most nurseries will carry 10, 15 flats of something, you know, because mm-hmm. they just don't get that many calls for lots of it. Right, exactly. But you can get it from them and get large quantities sent right to your house. We'll be right back after these messages from these fine people. This is Mid-South Gardening right here right. on KWN. Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Okay, so, you know, everybody's got on their list their plans for 2022, you know, New Year's resolutions. And everybody's, I'm sure everybody's is eat more veggies, get outside, move your body, learn something to do, save the planet. Well, if that sounds too hard, you know what? Just garden. That's it, you know. I know, because that just solved all those issues. Just garden, (laughs) because you can eat more veggies, get outside, move your body. You definitely are going to learn something new, especially if you listen to us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Something new you probably didn't want to know. So, let's see. Okay, we're sharing pictures of... I'm just showing her a picture of a a Sansevieria baseball bat. So, that's what... You have a lot of Sansevieria. I do. It's one of my favorite plants. I did not know that. Yeah. Well, I should have. But it's, it's concave could... on one mm-hmm. side, and but it's very thick, gets quite tall. This one's about 18 inches tall, um, and they get six feet plus. Yeah. So, uh, so if just you want, really unusual plant. If you want a starter plant, that's one to go for, yep. the Sensevaria, because there are actually starter plants. Oh, yeah, you see them a lot, particularly yeah. the bird's nest varieties, which I'm very fond I hadn't of. hadn't heard of that one either. The, the bird's nest, the little tiny ones that look, mm-hmm. that they're like, just look a star, basically. Oh, I've heard them. Lots called, of them. Well, no, I haven't seen that one. I've heard one called Dragon Claws. It's like the Cylindrica one, okay. but it doesn't get as tall, and it's got f- four of them that are kind of flat, so it oh, looks yeah. like a dragon claw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's, and then there's kangaroo paws. It's not a sensevaria, but isn't that crazy, the names of the plants? I know. It's, and that's what's kind of cool, really, than the last... 20 years or so, advertising has become a major part of the lawn and garden business. 
Um, you know, used to an ad would say, you know, ten is a is for two ninety nine or something <laughs> like that. You know, um, but there's so many cultivars now, and they put advertising dollars behind them, put them in every magazine, mm-hmm. uh, and talk about have writers put night articles about them that have never grown them in, uh, right? In, yeah, you know, and in help sell itself you know um that's what proven winners is and uh uh, garden debut debut and all of those they're just advertising companies that have put a lot of dollars into both new and old plants to make them more attractive oh yeah there's some new plants that come out and i start studying about them and go wait wait, this plant's been in existence since 1930. Yeah. You know, how come I didn't know about this? One of my favorite examples is there's a hydrangea I planted when it first came out, and it was called um, um, Fraulein something or other. Anyway, but there was a whole <laughs> series of the the, the uh, Fraulein with different names. Okay? Yeah. And they're all lace caps, very pretty, multicolored, um, Frau Rico, that's what it was. Frau Rico was the name of it, but it didn't sell worth a dang. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they took it off the market for about a year and put them back on and renamed them Angel Eyes, Angel Robe. Absolutely, uh, you know. And I'll suddenly, buy that one over that's right. Fra Loing or <laughs> suddenly they had a name that people could remember oh, and yeah. uh, and attractive packaging, and they did quite well then. So, uh, and then you know the proven winners. Their uh, thing is is they have taken the vir- some of the viruses out that cause them to um, have more issues. That makes them stronger because they've taken viruses out. But a lot of their plants are just just old plants. Right, they've been around. Yeah, know? yeah. In fact, they have uh, proven winners has a police guy that comes around to make sure that you're if you're potting your own plants, mm-hmm. you have to put. Any plant that's designated as a as a proven winner has to go in a yeah. proven winner pot. Right. So they have people coming around to check you. And um, Monrovia. Yeah. Many years ago, uh, I potted up in the summer. I finally got my very first um, uh, Empress Wu hostas. Mm-hmm. Okay. They were not proven winners at that time. And so I had about 75 of them there that I had potted this summer before. This guy shows up in the spring and he's wanting to penalize me because I haven't put Empress Wu into a proven winner. Oh. You know, and he spent a good bit of time on the phone with whoever it is he talks to, mm-hmm. you know, because I said, you know, when I bought these, they were not proven winter plants. So anyway, they. So uh, you can only get Pr- Princess Wu now from. Empress Wu is designated as, as one. If you wow. buy, if you buy the plant, from Walters or wherever you're going to buy and pot them for resale in your nursery, mm-hmm. they come, they automatically send you the pots to put them in. <laughs> so you pay that extra pot charge whether you need that pot or not. Sometimes, you know, if it's a three-gallon plant, we'd slip our, our pots into mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, you know, they force you to buy the pots and 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 they and they police it. Man, so, well, that's like... Um, Kind of the same thing as Leslie, who is our um, agriculture extension 
That, that's, she, she's our Tennessee field you. agent. Gosh, that sounds much better. Field agent. But she's actually, she's out there. She's inspecting out there doing and it, checking. doing her job. Yeah. So, you know, there's more that goes on into getting plants and keeping plants in the garden center. Right. And, um, you know, whenever you see these sales, well, even like uh, the uh, Master Gardeners, when they have their sale in the spring, those plants have to be inspected before mm-hmm. they can be sold. Okay. Who inspects them? Does Leslie? Leslie does that. Mm-hmm. Right. She she makes an appointment, goes out there and checks, does you know just brief checks, looking at different things, looking for issues. Mm-hmm. She finds something that can't be sold. They have yeah. to pull that out. And they do, you know, she does that in the nurseries. If she finds something like uh, creep myrtle bark scale, you know, it's that you got you got to take these back, treat them and get them clean before mm-hmm. you can sell these. Yes. Uh, she inspects boxwoods that come in, boxwood that comes <laughs> into the uh, the county. County of uh, you know, some have to be physically inspected, some don't, uh, mm-hmm. if they've been certified. But uh, she has to be notified that they're here. Right. Also, have to turn into the um, to the uh, to extension agent or to her the form that comes with the shipment stating right. the boxwoods are free of fungal. I, I have to turn, we have, garden centers have to turn that in. Right. And, yeah. you know, and she's also setting up traps across the county for looking for moths and stuff like uh, the, uh, was it um, Thousand Gall Disease or something of black mm-hmm. walnuts. Um, she's setting up uh, traps for boxwood moth. Yeah. Uh, so she has to monitor these. She's a very busy person. Right. No, no, Leslie, I met Leslie first when she was in charge of uh, when Mud Island first opened down there. Uh, I went down to talk to her about some turf she was having issues with uh, and known her for 40 years or so. Yeah, Super person. Well, she does person. a great job. She does. Yeah. So that, that's some of the things that our colleges do, uh, the agri-colleges, is um, send out educate people on this kind of thing because it's we have to be responsible that's right for so much because we're growing it and transporting it into areas that are not um where they're native to or just gosh you know there's some places you can't even ship a plant to a certain plant they just don't deliver a lot lot of stuff you can't move into the far west you know into california in fact if i were shipping plants i would not even ship anything to west of the Rockies. It's just too mm-hmm. much paperwork involved. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I, ju- I always say I just want to sell a petunia, yeah. <laughs> but we need to go through all this to get the plants there. And I, I can remember when I was a small child, we drove from Charlotte to Burbank, California to visit my Ooh, sister uh, in a car that had no air conditioner, just <laughs> as a matter of point. Uh, but when we got to Arizona, they stopped us to see if we had any produce in the car. My mother had bananas. Right. And they would not allow those bananas to cross into the state. <sighs> so, you know, they we what stayed there a while. What could be a banana? Uh, some sort of insect or disease that they didn't want oh, coming through. Was it a through. plant or the no, banana? No, it was the fruit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. And so when you went through Arizona, you, everything stopped and they had to check your car if they suspected you were carrying any fruit or stuff. And, and they would take it and confiscate it from wow. you, which they did, which made my mother very unhappy yeah. that she lost 15 cents worth of bananas. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know, think of all but the she plants. was hot and grumpy anyway. So, you oh, know. then it was wild. Worse. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh dear. 
Well, you know, like um, adventurers and and uh, people that go looking for plants, like Lewis and Cal- Lewis and Clark. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was amazed. Like Dan Hinckley, you know, I yeah. would love to have been able to just go with him or, or you right. know, some of these guys when they go. But the way they would, I mean, they would bring them back, travel far distances, coming back with them. And because you can imagine what they had to do to get it back, especially mm-hmm. while they're hiking and bring these plants back. Um, and that's where some of the kind of where terrariums and came from because or they called them guardian, guardian terrariums, guardian greenhouses, some small, but they were glass and they would carry plants in those like on the on the boat, on the train, trying to get back to their uh, their home so they can experiment with it. And back then, though, nobody was investigating, finding out if you could come across with that or not. Oh, yeah. Everybody just shipped whatever they wanted to. And that's part of the reason we have things like privet here. Yeah. You know, and part of the reason that they have poison ivy in England. Oh, no. <laughs> that's a bad one. We yeah. sent them poison we ivy? We sent them seeds, yeah. Oh, on purpose? I uh-huh. think on purpose. Yeah. Why would we do that? What, I wonder. What, what when John Bartram was doing his investigation and finding all these plants like Franklinia and stuff, mm-hmm. he found this real pretty vine had nice fall color and nice red berries on it yeah so he collected some of the berries and sent them back to england <laughs> do y'all even know how big leaves can get on poison ivy oh yeah huge yeah. you would not even think that was a poison ivy but Notice we follow a good clear chain of thought here when we're <laughs> yeah yeah we're, we're just thinking of all this great stuff that's happened to get our plants over here and um just more plants to come they're just all, and well, we're just hybridizing them and hybridizing them. Like, how can I pick out the color of million bells that I want to order? I can only oh. hold like five different colors in the garden center, but there's 30? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say 50. Doubles, singles, oh, large flower, small flower. It's making my brain hurt right now. I know. You know, double bloom, single bloom. Oh, now the red, this is this shade red, this shade red, that shade red. I'm like, really, do I need all five shades of red? And then when you look at them, I'm like, yeah, I need all five shades of red. <laughs> but you don't. Okay, we're going to go to a break, and then we'll join you in a few minutes. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. So today, it's going to be a little bit warmer. But you know, I've got to do raking, cleaning up some, um, prepare. You can do start preparing your beds if you're going to do new garden beds, new landscape beds. Why not go ahead and start laying the bed out, getting the soil in, amending the soil, getting it all set and then when it becomes time to plant, because, you know, in spring, everything comes out and we're just mad crazy wanting to plant stuff. Well, you've already got your bed done. It's all prepared and everything. Now, the thing is, is if you get it all prepared and everything, go ahead and put a light layer of mulch because you may have weeds starting to come up on bare soil mm-hmm. because they want to do that. And a little bit of mulch and all that to to keep the weed seeds from not coming up. You could even actually, if you're doing it in landscape beds, go ahead and put a pre-emergent out as well um, when you prepare your beds. That way it can stop some of the germinating weeds when we get warmer. And then when you prepare it in the spring, after you've planted everything, then you reapply the the pre-emerge because you will, in the process of doing your planting, break that chemical barrier. Right. 
So you yeah, can so reapply. before and then like because you can do it any time of year the pre-emergent, really. But we're trying to do it before the seeds yeah. start to even germinate. The, the target dates are usually thirty days or so before we expect those weeds to germinate. Yeah, so that we get that barrier down, get a few rains on it to get the barrier across the soil. Of course, now here again in the mid south, we expect them to germinate all year long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that that's uh, what else can we do? You know pruning i would i yeah i think i could start pruning some trees like january yeah, yeah i'd prune you know crepe myrtles could be done now yeah um any of your um deciduous shrubs that aren't that are summer blooming you want you could do now mm-hmm. um but not your spring bloomers and yeah. wait till after they bloom yeah don't do your spirea yeah and uh well now it's the the white blooming spirea that you really don't want to bring yeah, back the now. Yeah, the bridal's wreath type. Yeah, yeah, which is so beautiful, but I don't see that available so much. It, it's again, it's one of those plants that's when it's in bloom, it's mm-hmm. spectacular and people will buy it. Yeah, but it's it's hard to sell when it's not in bloom. It's yeah. ju- and particularly in containers. They're right, like, they're like viburnums. Oh, they're yeah. just not terribly attractive. Yeah, yeah, you I've know. got some of uh, some of those. <laughs> one of the prettiest flowering shrubs in the spring are dutzia, mm-hmm. uh, the flowering almond. They're spectacular. Mm. Um, but again, you know, they're green most of the year. Their flowering period is fairly short. Uh, but they really do add early season color and early season flowers for, uh, you know, to support your pollinators. And the Dutzia of all the ones we listed, I can handle more because uh, you can actually prune it almost into a tree form. It's so, got multi yes. canes and We've had to, when it's gotten really big, every year I started pruning a cane out, mm-hmm. basically, after it got large. But the, like you said, the blooms are just amazing and, and beautiful. And they're, they're blooming like the same time the mock orange are. Right. But, you know, like the, the spirea, the mock orange, anything that, that you don't notice except for when it's blooming is hard to work into a smaller yard mm-hmm. because you're wanting in your smaller yard to see everything. Mm-hmm. But like a lot of the plants are fine as um, like plants in the back, understory plants, but not like a main planting specimen because you're only enjoying this a uh, month out of the year. Mm-hmm. Two months, maybe. Depends on how, if we get hot quicker, yeah. it slows the bloom down. So some plants you do you do get and um, only for like the bloom, basically. Yeah. And, and like I said, most people um, find that difficult. Yeah. You know. I agree. You know, mm-hmm. if it doesn't, first of all, you know, Memphis has this evergreen mentality. Mm-hmm. It does, you know. yeah. Does it die during the winter? You know, <laughs> they don't want it. leaves or no leaves. <laughs> So, you know, they, they want the best of both worlds. They want something nice and green and flowers all the time. Mm-hmm. You know? And so far, that one hadn't been invented. <laughs> yeah. that's But it's that, that plastic one. Yeah. It's that plastic one, which unfortunately now, or fortunately, I don't know which way you want to look at it, some of the ones that they, the uh, faux flowers, <laughs> faux foliage that you see in, inside, I'm actually having to get pretty close to investigate to see if it's fake or real. Because some of them are looking so real. Some, some do look good. Yeah, yeah, few. And the ones that look good, you got to take a loan out for, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically. So, um, yeah, let's not try with the plastic ones. Yeah. 
They'll get silk mites anyway. So you know, <laughs> Those silk mites, They're I tell you them. what. <laughs> okay, uh, are we running out of things to talk about? Because <laughs> we don't have Kenneth to fill in the blanks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we have three minutes to come up with something. No, um, okay. Some other flowering shrubs, though, that you really, I think, you should look at and consider if you've got a place in the garden. Pomegranates, they yeah. are such an outstanding orange flower, and they bloom fairly long during the season. Now, things like pomegranates, um, spirea, most of these, they will benefit from about once every five years or so, shearing them off at the ground mm-hmm. and let them come back again after they have bloomed. Um, the pomegranate you'd want to do early in the season, but they will they just regenerate better. They get so many stems yeah. sometimes in them that they shade themselves out. They get ugly yeah. underneath. Uh, Mahonias will do this. Uh, Cuba sometimes will do mm-hmm. this. They, they just get leggy. Nandina's notorious yeah. about this. So they will benefit from a hard shearing to just let it replace. And it'll replace mm-hmm. its growth really quick. Yeah. Because yeah, um, uh, one house that we did, they had Mahonia and it was rather tall. But there's always some new ones coming up. Mm-hmm. So I started just taking the tall canes out. And um, then eventually it got to where every year I could take a cane out yeah. or so instead of having to do the. So that way it looked good all the time. Yeah, I kind of had a rule where I would take out about a third of the tallest canes mm-hmm. every year. Yeah. And that way every three years you're basically just re freshing that plant right yeah, yeah yeah that's true you know you can really shear almost any plant and it's going to flush back out for you but you don't want to do it on a tree you don't want to cut yeah, it down because that's not going to work yeah. properly and, and, and you want to do you know if you have to hard prune you want to do it at the right time uh usually before june 1st uh for most things so mm-hmm. that it has time to put out new foliage and harden off before we get winter right so, well you know, if y'all missed some of the show, you can listen to our podcast. If you just want to listen again, you can listen to our podcast. We invite you to join our Mid-South Gardening Facebook group. Uh, and we have lots of files on there. If you look at the file tab, go underneath there. We have things on fruit varieties, on shade plants, uh, native plants, deer-resistant plants, hostas, poisonous plants, yeah. hostas. With the hostas, we tell you if they'll tolerate some sun, if they're fragrant, if they're slug-resistant. So we got a lot of good information on there, and there's more going on all the time. That's and, intense. And we really appreciate y'all letting us come visit with you this morning. Thank you. We will see you next weekend in the Mid-South Garden.